All right, so chapter two is light and matter. So technically supposed to be on next week's lesson, but again, with the holiday on Monday, we're going to miss two classes there, so this will get us, get us caught up between today and tomorrow. Tomorrow, you've only got to put up with me for one hour, and then I'm, we're going to do a lab the second half. So yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. Which question? Which is question five? Go ahead. You have to read it to me. I don't. I didn't I'll bring a copy today. Copy, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I don't. Two copies. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't bring a copy with me today. Question five. Yeah. Okay. The sun. It's the math one. That's why mm -hmm. I'm confused. That's okay. Yep, we can do that. Yeah. What it's saying is, let me get a darker marker here than the black one. It's giving you the distance, the, sun, the distance between the sun and the earth. So here's the sun, and here's the earth orbit. And we're saying the distance is about 150 million kilometers. That's on average about how far the earth is away from the sun. Let's pretend it's a circle. I know I just went through telling you they're not circles, they're not circles, they're not circles, they're ellipses. If you really want to do the calculation with an ellipse, you can, but it's a lot worse. So pretend it's a circle. It's actually pretty close to being a circle. So if we have that, we can then figure out how far it is. Make sure I'm doing the right problem here. We're going to figure out the average. We want to figure out the average speed. You got to do it in a couple steps. In order to find a speed, velocity is a distance divided by a time, right? So we need to know how far it's going and how fast it's going. So the distance is not 150 million kilometers though. The distance is actually the circumference of a circle. Okay. So the circumference is 2 pi times the radius. Familiar? Probably seen it before. Okay. So you take your radius that you got, multiply it by 2 and pi. That gives you the distance that the Earth, the Earth travels in how long? How long does it take the Earth to go around once? One year. So you get your distance in kilometers. Your time is one year. You'd want to convert that to seconds. Take the distance in kilometers, divide it by the time in seconds, and you'll actually find out how fast the Earth is moving. Once you get kilometers per second, you can convert it to kilometers per hour. You might have something on your calculator, or miles per hour. You can actually convert that and compare it, because kilometers per second, that's typically what we'll use in astronomy. It doesn't have a conceptual meaning to most of us in terms of something moving at 20 kilometers per second. It's just, what does that mean? You know, 50 miles an hour, you know what you're doing, right? 20 kilometers a second, does, does it mean anything to you? And probably it doesn't mean a lot to me. I mean, I know it compared to other things, but I don't know it as that. Does that make? So then, would the circumference be like 9,424? Like 9, Something like that, yeah. Be, be a little under a billion kilometers. Okay. So, yeah, that sounds about right. So then and then this is going to be about 30 million, 30 so million then you seconds. Would do that, that long number we've got right. divided by one. Not divided by one, you want to convert that to year to seconds. Okay. So one year into seconds, so there's what, 360, 365 and a quarter days. Yeah. So you'd multiply that and you'd go 24 hours times 60 times 60, just multiply each of those together. Mm -hmm. And you'll figure out there's about 3.14 times, it's about 31 million or so. Okay. 
seconds. I mean, you could do the exact number, you'll come out something close to that. If you're getting like 10 seconds, something's off. And if you're getting billions, you know, really gigantic numbers, something's off. And then you just divide those two to get the velocities. That help then? Okay. Okay, well try it and then let, let me know if let me know if not. Okay, so mm-hmm. So you get three. What is it about three point one? What do you? Okay, that's something. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I just. Okay. Typically, uh, the way a lot of us remember it is that it's about pi times ten to the seventh, just as an okay. easy way to remember that how many seconds there are in a year. It's very close to that for most calculations that we do. All right. All right, let's go ahead and start on light a little bit then for a little bit here. And we're going to look at a couple different things. This is really talking about light and matter and how they interact. And first thing we're really going to look at is waves and how light works as a wave. And what we really mean by light. When I talk about light, we tend to think of one thing. We tend to think of visible light, right? You think of light, that's what you see. Well, really, that's only a very tiny portion of all of light. Light includes things like x-rays, gamma rays, radio waves. They're all the same type of radiation. They're all exactly the same as visible light. They just have different wavelengths and different energies. So visible light is just a teeny tiny portion of that entire spectrum. But radio waves behave exactly the same. They travel at the same speed. Their behavior is identical. X-rays do the same thing. Radio waves just have a lot less energy. Radio wave, X-rays just have a lot more energy. Right? X-rays can penetrate through skin and X-ray bone for you. But in terms of what they're like, they're exactly like uh, the same wave, the same visible light waves that we see in this room. And then we'll talk about the different types of radiation we get and the spectra that we see. A spectrum is when we split the light up into its components. So I'll do what we'll do a lab probably. I want to do the first uh, uh, starry night lab so we get, get you used to using that program a little bit. But probably next week, one of the labs will actually be looking at some of the spectra. So we can actually get tubes of different elements, and I can let you go around and look at various different ones. So we'll do that as one of our labs next week. And how do we form those spectral lines? You'll have that background all before, before that. And then the Doppler effect. Doppler effect. Uh, very important is one of the ways that this spectra, in, in, in fact, is really important because for the most part, we use the spectrum, we use the light that we get from the stars for everything that we know about them. And it's very amazing that we can take the light that we see from the stars and determine all sorts of different things. You know, just from looking at a star, you can learn things about its temperature, you can learn things about how fast it's moving, you can learn things about what it's made up of. That's just from the light that we're getting, for getting from it. So, and that's all we have. You know, I don't have a nice uh, robotic spacecraft that can travel you know, hundreds of light years out to all these different stars and bring samples back for us to test. You know, can't even do that in the solar system. The only place we have direct samples from is the moon. So we can't just go and get other you know, pieces of others. We're dependent on, astronomers are dependent on the light for really everything that we understand about the universe. So what is electromagnetic radiation? It is the transmission of energy through space by using varying electric and magnetic fields. So that's why I call it electromagnetic radiation. It's got an electric field and a magnetic field. And they oscillate sort of in opposite to each other. 
and can travel through space. Light is one example of that. X-rays would be another. Infrared waves, ultraviolet waves are all different forms of electromagnetic radiation. The advantage of electromagnetic radiation is that they can travel through space. Space is a, essentially a total vacuum compared to anything we have here on Earth. So light can travel through a vacuum of space. Most waves can't. Right? If, this was, if this was a vacuum, if this room was a vacuum, other than us all being suffocated immediately, um, you know, and I was speaking, you'd see my lips move, but the sound wouldn't be getting to you. If you had a great explosion on the sun, can make, it could make all the noise you wanted to, but it's not going to be able to travel through space to Earth. So you'd never be able to, you'd never be able to hear it. And that's where usually the science fiction movies get it wrong, right? You get the, all the great space, space battles with all the explosions. Well, if you're looking at it from outside in space and listening, you'd never hear anything explode. You'd see it, you'd see a great explosion. It would be making that sound right there if there was an atmosphere or something for that sound to travel through. But if it's try once it tries to travel through space, sound immediately disappears. It is immediately eliminated. Light will travel through the entire vacuum of space. And fortunately, otherwise, the sky would be completely dark. If light couldn't travel through a vacuum, you know, we wouldn't be here. Because we wouldn't be able to see the light from the sun. We wouldn't have any light. The light from the sun wouldn't be able to travel even that short distance to us, let alone being able to see any of the, of the other objects in the universe. Now, in terms of waves, that's what I'm going to start looking at here. Wave motion is really transmitting energy without transmitting any material. Now, if you ever watch, like, you know, ocean waves or waves at the, at the beach or on a lake, you see that the waves there, they bounce, the water bounces up and down. But if you toss a ball out there or something and watch it, it doesn't really move. It just sits there. So it just sits there and waits, right? It just bobs up and down in the water, but it stays at exactly the same spot, roughly. Yes, it'll move very slowly, but it doesn't move near as fast as the wave. Um, sound waves, on the other hand, Sound waves, for example, will travel through here faster than the air. So it's not the air that I'm, it's not the air that I'm vib physically vibrating that's making it to your ears. It's the sound wave that's actually making it through, through to your ears. So for example, we have the nice uh, gas setup up here you know, for a chemistry lab. If I turn that on, you'd hear the hiss of the gas coming out. I'm not going to do it. We don't need to, need to flood the room with gas. But if I turn that on, you'd hear the hiss, right? You'd hear it almost immediately. It doesn't take sound that long to travel through the room. It would take you longer for the physical particles, the gas particles, to actually make it to your nose where you'd be able to smell them. So the sound is traveling. The wave is traveling through the atmosphere very quickly. The particles are traveling much more, much slower. So you're transmitting energy, you're transmitting information without physically transporting the material. So we're not physically transporting the gas particles to you immediately. If I turn that on and left it on, it would take a while before the smell of gas would work, work its way back to you. But the sound would get there almost immediately. So that's what I mean, that it's transmitting the energy, we're transmitting the information, you can hear it, but you can't, you're not actually getting the physical material, the material that I'm releasing isn't making its way back to you yet. Some of the terms associated with the wave. Um, diagram here, 
shows an example of a wave, very simple wave here. There is an undisturbed state, which means if you're thinking of this as like a rope, you know, get a rope that's attached to one end and vibrate it up and down, you can form a wave like this. If you held it just straight, that would be undisturbed. That would be if there was no wave. That would also be, you know, the the ocean with no waves, if it was nice and flat, the lake without waves in it, that would be what we call the undisturbed state. The crest is the peak of a wave. The trough is the lower part, so as high up as the wave goes and as low down, low down as it goes. The amplitude of the wave, though, does not measure between those two. It measures between the crest and the undisturbed state. So the amplitude of the wave is just how high it gets above where it would be if there were no wave at all. So measure here where the wave is flat, and you measure up to the very top of the wave, and that would give you the amplitude, how big the wavelength is. Or how big the, how big the amplitude is, I'm sorry. The wavelength, trying to jump ahead here, the wavelength is the amount, distance between any two uh, similar points on the wave. Typically we measure it from crest to crest just because that's convenient. So whatever that, that is, is what we call the wavelength of the wave. That can vary for things like light. They can be incredibly tiny. Visible light is incredibly tiny. X-rays are even tinier. Um, for radio waves, there are actually things you can imagine. Right? Radio waves, a very prominent radio wave uh, that we observe is about 21 centimeters long. It's a wavelength of hydrogen. So that's how, that's how big it is. That's actually something you can imagine, right? 21 centimeters. If I start talking about you know, uh, billionths of a meter, well, take these, you take this and divide it into a billion pieces. Can you even begin to imagine that small? No, I can't. But we'll see, you'll see numbers like that. They're very, very tiny waves. Radio ones you can understand. You know, uh, water waves at the beach, you can understand they might be a couple meters apart or something. Certainly something that we can understand. So here's the example of the water wave, sort of what I mentioned before. You got a water, you throw a, throw a rock in the pond there, it splashes, creates some waves. If there's a stick or a ball or something floating in there, it doesn't move. It doesn't move near as fast as the waves do. Right? It will sit there, it'll bob up and down, but it doesn't immediately. The waves are not pushing all of that water. So it's not physically the water that's moving, it's the disturbance that is moving through the water. The water particles essentially stay right where they were. They just bob up and down, as what's kind of showing you down here. Here's this one and it goes down, down, this one goes up and then down again, this one is down and then uh, moving upwards. The particles stay in exactly the same spot. Yes, they move very slowly outwards, but not near as fast as the wave moves itself. But those waves can travel and can transmit energy. Again, great for us. We can get energy from the sun, can travel to us and warm us up. Otherwise, without the sun, it would be awful cold here. You know, we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't have an atmosphere, the atmosphere would be frozen out and anything like that. So we do need the fact, that the fact that waves transmit energy this way is very important. A couple of the other terms I'm going to give you here are just some of the terms associated with waves. Uh, there's the, we gave you a few previously. The frequency, it tells you how many waves pass a point every second. So if I'm sitting here watching water waves and you got a lot of you standing at the beach and you get hit, you know, three, you get waves coming in really fast and you're getting hit three times a second, then your frequency would be three, three waves per second. If you only have one wave hitting you each second, then your frequency would be one wave per second. So it just tells you how many waves are passing a given point, which could be you standing in the water, 
each second. In terms of uh, radio waves or optical waves, it's a whole lot of wavelengths that are passing each second because they're traveling at such a high speed. The period, on the other hand, is how long it takes between passages. How long it takes. So if you're standing, again, you're standing in the pool, you're standing in the ocean and waiting for those waves to hit you, the period is how long it takes. So if one hits you now and one hits you a second later, then the period is one second. If you have two hit you each second, then your period is half a second. If you've got to wait five seconds for the next one, then your period is five seconds. How long does it take before each of those hits you? And those two have a relationship between, two, between each other, which says that the period is just one divided by the frequency. So if your period is two passing you every single se- two, two passing you each second, then your frequency is going to be one half. Each second you're going to have one half of a wave passing you. So there's just an inverse relationship between the two. So the larger one number is, the smaller the other one is going to end up being. Alrighty, let's see. And then the other ones, I've already mentioned wavelength. I already defined that for you. Just how far apart the crests are. So how far apart each successive crests are. Water wave might be several, might be a meter or so. Uh, radio wave, I said I mentioned one, about 21 centimeters. About that kind of distance that we can see. Uh, light waves are going to be incredibly small, incredibly small amount of distance between, between them. And then the velocity is the speed at which those crests move. So we can figure that out. We can figure out the velocity if we know the wavelength and the period for most waves. Now for light waves and any electromagnetic wave, we automatically know that velocity because they're always traveling at the speed of light. So they have a fixed speed, meaning that their wavelength and period have a relationship to them as well in terms of light. But for any kind of water wave or a sound wave, anything else like this would depend on how long the wave is and the period, how many are passing you, how many are passing you in, a, in a given amount of time. So there's a relationship between them as well there. So these are some of the different terms that we'll talk about a little bit as we go through, as we've gone to go through waves throughout, throughout the course as we talk about different waves. So wavelength, velocity, frequency, uh, especially you hear things like wavelength and frequency quite a bit when we talk about the spectra. Uh, velocity for almost everything we do really doesn't matter. It's always the speed of light. So you really don't have to worry about that, about that one. Now, what some of the part, some of the properties of waves are. Well, first of all, we get wave, I'm going to do the bottom one first. Let's do the bottom one, bottom one. Inter- interference. Uh, the sum of two waves. You might get a larger or a smaller wave depending on how you add them up. So waves can actually cancel each other. Waves can cancel out. That counts for any kind of wave. That can count for, you know, sound waves. Water waves can cancel each other out. You know, my kids like to go to the wave pools. That's exactly what they're doing, right? You get the wave pools at the amusement parks and things. You get the waves coming together and you find the nice calm area where all the waves are in exactly, are exactly big waves. The waves are the same every place. But when you get a real big wave, real big crest, and a real big trough meeting each other at the same time, you got nothing. They cancel each other completely out. And you get the nice calm area, which is usually where the little one likes to stand. In the nice calm area, you get a little bit of wave, but you don't get splashed around too much. 
course, the bigger kids like it where they add together. You get a big wave adding to a big wave. Well, you got a wave this high adding to another wave this high. All of a sudden, you got one twice as high. So the waves actually can interfere and combine together and make either a larger wave or a smaller wave. That works with sound waves too, right? You get like the noise canceling headphones. You can get a real large sound out there. Headphones can take that sound, flip it upside down digitally, just flip it upside down and blast that same loud, exactly the inverted loud noise back into you. So you're getting two very loud noises coming in at once, but they cancel out. So because they cancel out, you end up hearing nothing. So get one loud noise, you know, you're running a jackhammer or something that's really making a lot of noise, you can cancel, completely cancel it out by sending an equally loud noise into your, into your ear at the identical time. All you're doing is taking the wave that's coming and flipping it upside down and canceling it out. So interference is one property of waves that we'll see. The other one is diffraction. When you have waves, waves are very good at bending around things. And if you've ever seen, you know, out, out in the ocean, you get a breakwater out there to kind of minimize the amount of waves that are coming through. Well, it, does, it doesn't stop them. They actually manage to bend around it and get back in there. You're not going to completely stop the waves. The way waves work, they can, they're allowed to, they can bend around the edges of solid objects. Light waves do the same thing. If you've ever looked at uh, some of the pictures, probably in your textbook, if you look at a picture of a star, especially a bright star, you typically get something like this. You get a star there, you get a bright star, and you get this big cross pattern going through it. They're not done for decoration. That's actually an artifact of the telescope. That's actually caused by diffraction. And what that is, and we haven't really talked about telescopes yet, it comes up in another chapter coming up soon, but when you have a telescope, you typically have a big mirror down here at the end. Okay, great big mirror to gather the light. And the light bounces off and is focused back up to another little mirror that moves that light either back down and moves it around. So there's another little mirror here. Well, we're getting good technologically, but it's still kind of hard to keep a mirror floating in the exact same place right in the middle of that. So you've got to hold that in place. You have to have a way to hold that mirror in place. And if you're looking down, here's your little mirror. What do you put in? You put some kind of support structure to keep that mirror holding in the same spot. Well, when light comes through, light diffracts around that and gives you the same pattern that you see in the star. So that's why you see a very bright star especially. You get that same that diffraction pattern caused by the support holding the little mirrors in place. Now we'll go through the telescopes in more detail in, I think it's the next chapter, and see that, but that how the telescopes are put together. But that's why you see that pattern. That's due to diffraction of light around the telescope. All right, let's see. We've got a little bit of more time here. Let's finish up these waves and then I can get into the electromagnetic spectrum uh, tomorrow. Um, again, most of this, uh, this list I've already talked about a little bit. Uh, water waves, sound waves, we need something. If there's no atmosphere in here, I can sit here and talk all I want and you're not going to hear me. Right? My mouth will keep moving, but nothing's coming out because there's nothing to transmit the, transmit the particles. They need something. They need water. They need air. Um, solids, right? If you, can, you can hear things. If you put your ear to a table and bang on it, you can hear things travel through. Sound will travel through a solid material actually faster than it will travel through air. 
Electromagnetic waves do not need that. Electromagnetic waves can travel completely without any kind of medium at all. So they can travel, they can travel through water, right? They can travel through air, but they don't require those as a sound wave or a water wave does. They can travel through the vacuum of space. And what they are created by is sort of trying to sketch here, don't worry too much about this. I'm not really that worried about the, I'm more worried about the details that come up. But they're created by accelerating charged particles. So you get a particle that's moving, vibrating up and down. It gives off energy in the form of a mixed electric and magnetic field, which is what we see as electromagnetic radiation. So that's exactly how we, how we, how we will end up perceiving it. So it just has to do with those charges that are moving. Again, I don't want to get that far into the details of it for this course. You know, we could go into a whole course that goes through that. Uh, but that's a lot more than we need to do. What I really want to get on to is, let me see, where am I? Let me just go here and then I'll finish up and get into the others on next time. I think I've got, we're almost done here. Um, the magnetic fields and electric fields are tied together in these, in these waves. So a light wave is, is an electric field, it is a magnetic field. One changes and generates the other, the other changes and generates one back again, and they just constantly change back and forth throughout space. Now, just to say, a magnetic field is something you're probably a little more familiar with than in, maybe than an electric field. Um, magnetic field, think about the Earth and a compass set up, set up there. The magnetic field is there, you can't see it. But if I put a compass in it, like the compass will point right along the magnetic field lines of the Earth. Uh, in terms of the sun, you can actually see the magnetic fields. In some cases, when you get uh, plasma flowing, charged particles will flow right along those magnetic field lines and highlight, highlight it. But this is the magnetic field of the Earth, a relatively simple magnetic, magnetic field. Goes, lines come out of the South Pole, back into the North Pole. And that's the thing, we looked at the picture of the aurora today, that's kind of wanted to get, get at least to this one. Uh, that's, that's what causes the aurora. So we see the aurora because we have particles from the sun coming, striking the magnetic field, and funneling down. Well up here is where the magnetic field is weakest at protecting us, allowing the particles to stream into the atmosphere. And that's why we get hit by the aurora. We see them where? Close to these poles. There's Alaska, Canada, uh, Scandinavia and Europe would be around the other side. Those are all points that are close to the north magnetic pole of the Earth and where the magnetic field is coming into the atmosphere and all those particles from the sun are then able to hit us. So the magnetic field actually protects a lot of the Earth from most of those charged particles from the sun. And then I will finish that up. I'm going to go ahead and stop there and I'll finish that up and then come back to and we'll start we're talking about the electromagnetic spectrum, which is really what's coming up next. And that's the part I really want you to, I want you to have the concept of the wave, but the details of the electromagnetic waves are a little bit more than we really need to, really need to get into here. Only one hour tomorrow, so then, 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 a, then a lab. So we'll do a lab on, it will be a starry night lab. I'll have it set up on here and I'll bring those papers in tomorrow to do that. So questions, questions? We're ready to go. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Is there like a code that we need to get into that? Uh, if you're going to download it on yours, if you, bought, you should have bought the yeah, code from I the, did. and then you, you send it in, you send up an email, and they're supposed to email you the regular the other activation code. Oh, okay.
So it should be emailed to you. Now I'll have it on these, but of course if you have it on your laptop and you want to use your laptop one, so you're familiar with it exactly on your machine, that, that's great. And then any settings you get, you can save. Yeah. If not, I will have it, I'll have it on these that we can use as well tomorrow. So we'll do that the second half of the class tomorrow. Right. So have a good rest of the day, and I'll see you tomorrow.